And welcome to another episode of Brocephus and Friends. I'm your host, Joseph Me, or Brocephus, or Joe, or just don't call me late for dinner. But this episode, I'm excited to have someone that I've known for years and years. No, not that long. But um, I'm excited to have Troy Jones. Troy, it's good to have you today. Joseph, it is good to be here. Thank you for having me. I am so excited for this podcast. I cannot wait to dive into this conversation. I have no idea what to expect, but I am ready for it. <laughs> when I, I text you, I, I said, you said what we're going to talk about, and I thought, well, I don't really know. Uh, we'll just kind of see what what comes out. But um, I heard this quote, because you kind of like, um, you know, leadership and stuff. I heard this and I, I thought of you. I, it says, um, let's see how it go. Talent will seduce you every time, but character will bite you in the fanny. <laughs> and I, I love that because, mm. you know, you can have all the qualities. Sing, yes. Plays the accordion, dances is very good at doing all the right stuff. But let's get down to what really matters. And th- that's uh, important, right? The, that, Absolutely. The other stuff it trumps the, uh, the other stuff, right? Absolutely. You can have all the bells and whistles, but it's the character that actually defines a leader. I just was... Here, I heard someone just talking, I think it was the ESPN analysis talking about there's a lot of talented football players, there's a, t- a lot of talented basketball players, but there's not necessarily a, a whole lot of leaders, and leaders are hard to come by, and a lot of that comes down to character. You know, there's uh, a lot of people that have all the talent, but in order to lead a team, in order to be a good influence in culture, that's a whole nother level of leadership and character. And yeah, absolutely. It, I, I totally agree with that. I, I think, um, you know, I know it's a shock, but I'm not much of a sports person. But, but I think um, sports can somewhat closely be related to the way that, um, People are in leadership in the church, uh, outside the church, really leadership, because mm-hmm. you, know, you have um, and really a team. I, mm-hmm. I, was, I was telling people, I said, you know, if there's one sport that I would want to play is volleyball, because yep. there it's not just, okay, I, there's one person that does all the work but you have a team of people who say okay i i have here uh i'll i will what do you do with the ball you hit it or throw it or something and then someone else has to hit it over the someone else has to throw it over the net and i think um as a as a team in the church whether that be in the youth or worship team we we all need to say okay here's the ball and i will hit it or spike it or something but people let's 
uh, it takes another person to throw it over the net. Absolutely. And uh, in scripture, they mostly refer to that as the body of Christ. You know, each person, each uh, player has has a role to play Um, the body. You know, you got the hands and the feet and the eyes and the ears, you know, with on a team, you got a quarterback, you got a running back, you got the offensive line. I don't know all the volleyball positions, but I know you've got uh, a libero. They're really good at passing. You know, you got some people that spike. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a team effort for sure. And each person has a role to play. And that's especially true in the church. Not everyone can sing, not everyone can teach, not everyone has the same passion for serving. Not everyone, um, is as, uh, fluent with speaking the gospel, but every person has a role to play and a, a healthy church is, is doing that well, for sure. I'll never forget, uh, we went to, uh, went on vacation somewhere in North Carolina, and uh, we were there on a Sunday. We said, let's stop at uh, Elevation Church mm-hmm. before, uh, B.C., before COVID. And... <laughs> um, and those people, we pulled up. We thought we were in style. I mean, they came and they said, "Okay, pull your car up to the front and uh, do this and uh, and do all that." You know. And I think um, it's one thing to I keep bringing this up, but it's one thing to play the game or or serve, but it's another mm-hmm. thing to uh, feel make the other people feel important who are maybe not necessarily uh, regular attenders uh, mm-hmm. or people who, uh, and I think that's with basketball and football, you know, you can play the game and it, but uh, I think always at the end, they always, you know, say good game and not to say you do all that, but mm-hmm. invite people in and say, you know, you may not be from here, you may be a visitor, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we're we are still going to uh, invite you in and make you even feel, um, you know, like you're a part of this family. And you know, I think that, uh, and that's something I think Eastland has tried to do uh, with yeah. the, with the signs and the uh, the stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think any team that is not selfish and is um, accepting of other people's roles and positions, whether they're new or not is, is uh, a, a true sign of a, a winning team and being able to be cohesive and working together in a way that um, uh, accentuates or uh, helps other people's gifts. I, I think that's a winning team. And I, recently you know kind of talking about this a little bit with teams and stuff i've been thinking about how to like gauge where you are you know as an individual in kind of your faith and i think um i i came up with you know as we're talking about sports a little bit i think there's kind of spectators there's ones that are just kind of um on the outskirts and kind of know 
a little bit about what's going on. Um, I kind of consider them kind of the unbelievers. Then you got the fans who are there and kind of excited about what's going on and kind of just wanting to learn more about the game. And I consider those kind of the, the guests or maybe new believers. Then you got people that are on the team that maybe don't play a whole lot or just kind of still, you know, uh, on a freshman on the varsity team. So learning the ropes and, mm. um, and then you've got the starters and they're the ones that are, you know, actively involved and playing and, and including those, those, you know, really all aspects of, of everyone else. And then you've got, the coaches and how are they leading and developing other people? And those are kind of the disciple makers. And, um, and so, yeah, sports definitely translate well when it comes to uh, faith and development and uh, spiritual maturity. So, yeah, I, I love, I grew up playing sports and, you know, I use sports quite a bit in illustrations and things like that as I preach and teach and, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned from athletics and development, but kind of going back to like what you said, though, there's a lot of just character, uh, development that happens mm. when, when you're playing sports. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I heard, this is a, another question. I heard this, I, and I, uh, I love this question, um. I mean, I love this statement. Um, a turtle on a fence post. A turtle does not get there by itself. Uh, someone mm. has to help uh, the turtle get on the fence post. And uh, my question is, who were some of them people? Who are them? Who are those people now, or maybe, I mean, then or now? Who are some of those people who have influenced you and helped you? So, are you calling me a turtle? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. Uh, oh, man. So, yeah, I think I've had quite a few people in my life that have um, impacted me in a lot of ways, uh, for sure. Uh, first person that comes to mind is my brother. Um, I think whenever you've got um, someone that's, I don't know, he just was always someone that was always down the road from me as far as like just where I was spiritually and, and leadership abilities. He's four years older than me. And so he has walked the same roads I've been down and he's uh, we're very similar in a lot of ways. And so we think about things pretty similar. Simu, I can't say that word very, <laughs> we think a lot alike. And, uh, but he, he's, he's a great guy and he does a lot of things uh, that inspire me and his uh, leadership is, is definitely something that I look up to. Um, he does a lot of great things uh, for, for the Lord. So, and he's been pretty intentional um, over the years of, you know, checking in on me and wondering how I'm doing and what's uh you know, what's challenging me and, and wanting to help me grow. We've, we've sat down a handful of times and had deep conversations about uh, challenges and, and um, opportunities and just processing faith and life. And uh, he's definitely been a leader and role model in my life. Uh, my mom played a huge role in my faith development as well. Um, she was my youth leader for most of my youth life um and so she 
you know, she developed a lot of the things uh, within me and who I am. And same thing with my dad. My dad wasn't as intentional with some of his faith stuff, but he served and led in a way that uh, I truly admire now. And uh, something that a lot of things that I do subconsciously are because of the way that he and my mom both raised me to, they both have a very, uh, a heart for people that are disadvantaged, um, kind of the underdog. Uh, my mom, I can remember vividly, she would always tell me, pick the people that you think would normally get picked last. Um, and so whenever I played sports growing up in elementary school or whatever, you know, it was like, I, for whatever reason, you know, I was a lot of times a team captain or whatever. And she would, and I would pick the unathletic kid, the unpopular kid or whatever. And I would take them onto my team. Um, and that taught me a couple of lessons. I loved that lesson though, but just caring for those that maybe don't normally get a shot, mm. but it also challenged me to like, okay, now I've got all the rugrats on my team or the underdogs, like I've got to do better. And so anyways, I loved that life lesson that my mom taught me. And then my dad worked with, um, uh, mentally handicapped adults and kids, mostly adults through most of his career. He started off with kids. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he that was his life and investing in and physically and mentally handicapped adults. And so just the patience and uh, dedication and compassion uh, that it takes to be to work with those types uh, with that with that demographic mm -hmm. is um, I don't know, just inspiring to me. And so a lot of that is carried over into my own life. And um, so, yeah those people have definitely played a huge role in putting me on a, on a post, <laughs> the turtle on a post. I know how to sit, sit on, I know how to sit on a fence, Joseph. You do. The, the, the trick is to, to lay face down with the, with the post in your mouth. Oh yeah. That, that's a Dwight, Dwight Schrute quote, by the way. It is. Oh yeah. I know how to sit on a fence. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. It must have been later, right? Maybe, later. maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the, well, before we go there, uh, words, <laughs> words are important. Uh, mm -hmm. You're talking about words. Um, words are very important, and uh, and I think um, that uh, especially uh, songs are uh, very. Uh, you can, you know, it's one thing to have the music, but the words mm -hmm. to uh, to accompany it, the music, um, you know, I can think of well, one of the greatest songs that I've ever heard um, is called Pulling Things Together by uh, Merle Haggard. And it talks about how he's a single dad, uh, mom ran off, uh, doesn't know where she is not in the picture with kids at all but the second verse says um today you know today was her was their daughter's birthday and um and she didn't uh the mom didn't bring a gift the mom 
well, didn't show up and didn't bring a gift. But he said today was Angie's birthday, um, and he had mailed a present from from him, but he wrote her name on there, and mm-hmm. and said, uh, "I wrote it, love from Mama," so Angie wouldn't know. And I'm and I thought, what mm-hmm. what a powerful lyric, and mm-hmm. I think, and I think. Uh, you know, let's. I bring country music up because I think it's closely related. And you, you were, I can think you and and Zach because I, before I was in this Gaither bubble, and there's nothing <laughs> wrong with the you know Gaithers and the Gaither bubble, but you, you and Zach and I think I think maybe a few more people who you know in rap music, I think the Christian rap. Mm-hmm. very you know we attend in the church we talk a lot about the you know grace and mercy and truth and all that good stuff mm-hmm. but, but also you have the people who are the down and outers people mm-hmm. who are struggling with temptations of all kind and mm-hmm. I love that about rap they are not um, they're not the ones they bring, they put their struggles out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. For everyone to see. And I think that mm-hmm. is an important part, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. I There's the, uh, you find healing in vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And when you've got someone that is, is speaking, you know, the, the trials that they're going through, um, it allows not only healing for them, but it allows other people to see like, okay, I'm not the only one. And there's so much power in like knowing you're not the only one um, Mm. that, that goes through things or, you know, the other way, you know, that is, that wants to pursue something, um, you know, uh, worth going for, but from a, you know, a healing perspective to know that you're not the only one going through something, Mm. Uh, is really is really powerful and yeah absolutely i think christian hip-hop is there's definitely a realness to it that you don't necessarily get to experience in worship music and a lot of to- a lot of times or um in just about any in any other type of music mm. uh, you don't really witness that a whole lot and so there's definitely a, an appeal to that and i think a lot of people are transform that by that you know i've i've nearly broken down with some of the songs that i hear um from you know some of my favorite artists of like man that is so relatable and to Mm. put it into words into music that resonates in such a way is like okay wow yeah that's I've, i've struggled i've been there and you've just put you've just written it poetically and with with music behind it and that that resonates on a whole nother level. So yeah, I, I agree, man. What Being is being real about yeah. that stuff is powerful. What is something that you have learned uh, during this quarantine? Oh boy! Whether that be it could be something serious or something <laughs> funny, like yeah, like yeah. how to take care of worms. Right. Well, yeah, I did definitely. Okay. Well, you brought it up. Okay. So I did learn 
that I'm not very good at taking care of worms. Um, this is for those of you that don't know anything about me. Uh, I have a son and we started collecting worms near the beginning of this quarantine because there was nothing else to do. And so we'd go outside and we started with, you know, one or two worms, then it got to a hundred worms. And then we probably had two or 300 worms and we bought a big cooler and we put dirt in the cooler and we were feeding them and stuff. Well, it started to get kind of hot by the time, you know, we had developed quite a bit of uh, worms. And so anyways, eventually I think, the worms just got too hot and I think I might've mm. put too much food in the dirt and almost, well, all the worms died. And so mm. crazy, crazy experience. I thought it would be easy. I was kind of excited about maybe selling a couple batches of worms to like fishermen, you know, make, maybe make a little bit of money, but that dream died very quickly, unfortunately. And you would kind be of a, really, you'd be a worm guy, the worm guy. Yep. Yeah, you got you got. <laughs> where are you getting your worms? <laughs> got the wrong worm guy. Oh man, uh, another office reference. Um, but, anyways, yeah, that was that was actually pretty fun, and you know, we I did do quite a bit of research on it, and I still I just failed. Worms are not that easy, I guess, but or I'm just dumb. But, anyways, yeah, that was that was something I learned. Um. This is going to be kind of funny, I guess, or like, I don't know, kind of random. I I kind of jumped on the TikTok bandwagon for a little while and had a couple videos do pretty well. And so that was fun. Um, but I don't really do that anymore. I kind of it got to be kind of a lot of work and kind, kind of stressful. And like, I don't know, it just got to be too much. And I was like, I just don't really care that much anymore. I I, <laughs> I got. I went kind of viral, got kind of a lot of likes and I was like, okay, I, I kind of proved to myself I can kind of do this, but I don't really want to. Um, and anyways, so, but on to more, oh man, I've, I've learned so much about, I don't know, just people and leadership and communication, uh, the importance of empathy, the importance of grace and patience. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It, it's been a weird season. A lot of stuff going on and a lot of things have been magnified um, due to people not having a lot of other stuff to do. And so they're focusing on random things or some of it's really important, but uh just making up stories. I don't know. I think life is weird. I think that that's one thing I've learned is life is weird and people are uh, inconsistent. And through all of that, I've definitely learned more of like, man, God is like the only thing that we can rely on. God is the mm. only thing that remains true. And the things that you learn about God and his faithfulness and like the things he said he would do and the things he said he wouldn't do. And like, those are the only things that are really steadfast, you know, everything else changes, but God remains the same. And so we can just be confident in him and we can trust him. We don't always yeah. understand the things that are going on or how he's necessarily involved in all of it, but 
he's there, he's working, and we can trust that the things that he talks about, especially through Jesus with love and grace uh, and mercy, like those things are still true through Jesus. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. Yes, that is good. Ernie, I think it's either Ernie Johnson or Ernie Phillips. He's on one of them sports uh, things. And uh, he was saying, he said, they were asking him about, I forget what presidency it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, I think they were asking him in the sports thing about, what do you think about the presidency of this person? Or, or what do you think happened? And he said a lot of brilliant things, but one thing that had stuck that stuck with me was, uh, we don't know who will sit in the uh, president's office, but we know who sits on the throne. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, uh, that is very important. Yeah. Um, because, you know, no matter who, what, no matter what political view you sit on. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, the one thing that uh, we should have in common, uh, well, really, the people in the church, but also um, one thing that is that stays the same as constant is uh, the love of the love of God. Yeah. Um, There's uh, nothing like it. Yeah. And and in the midst of everything else and as hard as this is to grasp. Like nothing else matters as much. Like, you know, there's God's promises are beyond just the here and now. And so it's not an easy thing to grasp. And it's not um, something that is, uh, I don't know. I, I guess it's just like, salvation like salvation is the only thing that matters at the end of the day and as again as far as that is the graphs it's like and i've been thinking about this quite a bit is like you know it's been kind of funny and i i've made jokes about it too but it's like 2020 <laughs> like it's all 2020's fault like for everything <laughs> that's going on and it's like no it's not 2020 like we have a sin issue we have people that um, and it starts with me and you, and you know, it starts on an individual level, but a much bigger issue is, is our eternal salvation and our, our the soul of our lives. And I, I've, I've grasped that a little bit more during this season of like, all of this can be taken away. We've seen that in, in a small way in kind of a big way too, I guess, but it's like, you know, some of our freedoms have been taken away through this season and, and some of the things that we thought were going to happen obviously haven't happened. And, uh, things are not as easy as they've always been and things can change by a tiny virus. And Mm. it it makes you think, and by tiny virus, I mean, the germs (laughs) are tiny. Yeah. Obviously this is a big virus, but, um, life changes through that and so what what really matters is is our salvation and our souls and i think we miss that and so i've i've been brought back to that i've kind of gotten 
I think a lot of people have gotten comfortable with, you know, we're good. Like life is good. And so we're just going to do what we want to make our lives better. But now that life has kind of taken a turn, I think there's a little bit more of an awakening to like, well, what does really matter and Mm -hmm. what will last and, and kind of just summarizing it a little bit is like just the love of Jesus is the only thing that will last and won't change and isn't circumstantial tomorrow. It's going to be the same. The day after that, it's going to be the same. And regardless of what happens in our world, it won't change. So, yeah. Uh, I might, I might edit this part out. I don't think so, but um, you know, this, you know, you're talking about the church and about mm-hmm. how things are not happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they can, if people are, a lot of people have been scared about saying, you know, uh, I think we're going to, uh, people are trying to take away the church. They're trying to take away um, our freedom, but you, you can't take away the church, the body. Right. right. The um, there's a story. Bill Gaither was telling, not telling me personally, but I was heard telling, I was hearing him say this, um, you know, he, him and Gloria went to this church, small church, you know, about a hundred people. Um, and the music wasn't spectacular. The worship, though the worship music wasn't on that spectacular, the preaching wasn't anything profound. Um, but when they got to the end of the service, uh, they said, uh, "Will Johnny and June, uh, that wasn't their name, but will Johnny and June come up uh, to the front of the, the sanctuary? And they came up and he said, Johnny is getting ready on Tuesday to have surgery. Uh, let's all come down and uh, pray for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that right there will not will not will never die yeah uh, as long as there are people who are willing to say uh you know that as long as there's a, a people who will uh come together maybe not physically uh but but they will come together and say there is a need and we will pray for healing or we'll pray for something uh nobody can take that away right Yep. Yep. The church, I don't know. I mean, it took a while for the church to really start meeting in buildings and being the way that it is today. And so, you know, the early church was not anything like it is right now, but yet it experienced growth like we've never really seen before. And so, yeah, I think the church is the people kind of going back. We kind of mentioned that at the beginning of just the body of Christ and people playing their role and doing what they can to, to reach people around them. And I think you see some churches have done that really well. Um, they've, they've got divided into small groups. They've uh, done a little bit more things, you know, just out in driveways or at parks. Um, and I think you'll see that of just, and I wouldn't be surprised if that becomes a little bit of a trend here for a little while of churches going a little bit smaller and coming out of it, I think churches will hopefully be a little bit less 
attractive in some ways or like the, uh, less about the the production value mm-hmm. and hopefully a little bit more aware of and intentional about discipleship and investing a little bit more into how to develop disciples instead of consumers and so yeah i i I think i think this i I think i'm hoping that by the end of all this the church is actually stronger than than weaker and people have a better understanding of personal discipleship on their own you know doing their own spiritual and uh, discipleship habits but also discipling others in a way that we've kind of been forced to do you know we can't meet in buildings we the church in general has kind of had a come to the church and we'll disciple you um in a a broad you know classroom youth group big church uh but you know now we're kind of forced to okay well let's let's make it a little bit smaller and develop a little bit more of personal relationships i think that's a good thing i think it'll be a good thing so troy it's always a good to talk to you and uh 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 let's do this again sometime maybe not on the uh (laughs) people to hear but uh uh conversation sometime absolutely man i always love talking with joseph so yeah i mean blessings to you and your family if you guys ever need anything let me know and we'll we'll see you soon yes say hello to the family yes will do okay okay bye bye